Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Central. How are you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to Tech Radio with all the latest in tech from around Ireland and across the world. However, you got our show today by downloading from our website at techcentral.ie or using a smartphone podcast app or listening on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Thank you so much for having us. On our Easter show, a little later on, we're going to be talking to an Irish man who was one of the first chief digital officers in the world. And we're talking Brisbane in Australia. Uh, we'll have more from him in around about uh, 10 or 15 minutes time but first let's turn our bank holiday thoughts to drones one of our favourite 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 toys here on the show and the first Drone Expo Ireland is going to be taking place next weekend uh, the 1st to the 3rd of April at the RDS in Dublin with something for everyone as they say uh, this talks about the business of drones right the way through to racing demonstrations and to tell us more about it on the line is Ian Kiley who's the founder of Drone Expo Ireland to tell us more Ian uh, how did you get into drones yourself? Adrian Dusty, thanks for uh, having us on. Um, I got into drones in a very strange kind of way. I was uh, I was injured there a couple of years ago, and uh, I had to leave the catering trade because of uh, a few surgeries I had. And while at home thinking about what's my next business plan going to be, uh, a friend introduced me to drones, and the rest is history. He um, he used to rent aircraft to do aerial photography, and we kind of got talking, and, and here we are now, a year or two later, and uh, we've got an expo ready to go. I have to ask you, do you have any flying experience behind you at all? Flying regular aircraft or drone aircraft? Regular aircraft, drone aircraft, pretend aircraft on a computer with, <laughs> Microsoft, with Microsoft Flight Sim, which I do regularly myself, so I'll hold my hand up. Uh, I've done very little of online flying and I've absolutely no pilot experience for regular aircraft. But with drones, uh, I have done the Grand School Aviation course. Mm-hmm. I have taken the IAA exam for um, for drone pilot license, and I also have an area works permit from the Irish Aviation Authority. Uh, that allows me work kind of in controlled airspace. We put in a, a flight application, and uh, off we go. Now, that the reason I ask that is for a guy who has no real experience of any other flying whatsoever. How hard was it to do all of this really techy sounding stuff you've just mentioned? Yeah, I didn't start out as a techie, but slowly but surely I'm being converted to the dark side. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, When I first got into it, I actually bought a toy drone and I tinkered around with it in the house. Hmm. Um, And bit by bit, I then drew up a business plan and uh, I got a small grant and I started doing the training and buying proper Hmm. proper drone equipment for working, like working equipment. And did Uh, did you find it hard to do all this? Uh, the the learning the, to the basic to fly the basic stuff is actually not that difficult. What the hard part is is um, applying all the regulations and operating a camera while you're flying the drone, um, and then to get proper shots and things like that, you actually have to get really good at smooth uh, smooth flight, mm. uh, turning all that kind of stuff, and then accounting for weather and and planning. A, a lot of it comes down to planning. All right. So you've kind of you've gotten into it as a bit of crack and then you've made a business out of it, which we'll find out more about in a second. But what about most people who are kind of into drones? Are they enthusiasts and just doing it for a bit of fun? Or are they people like you who kind of want to, to see if they can make a living out of it somewhere? Uh, there's a good cross section. Um, in the last two years or maybe a little bit more, more than 100 small companies have cropped up in Ireland that are registered through the IAA. 
Um, a lot of those guys would have been started as enthusiasts or RC operators, radio controls kind of stuff. Um, but there are also then the, the other branch of people that want to buy a toy drone and then they kind of upgrade to maybe a Phantom. Um, and we found now that a lot of those guys are if they're disenchanted or disenfranchised with their own job, they uh, they start looking at the drone industry as something new and a, and a ground floor entry. Hmm. Tell me, uh, aside from the whole photography, because I think we're quite used to it, uh, watching it on television and movies, and oh, it's just amazing how drones have changed. Uh, what was the one I was watching recently? Uh, Davina McCall, and she is out literally in the middle of the ocean, and they're doing all these fantastic drone shots. <laughs> Of her. Uh, amazing how you could do that like in the middle of nowhere uh, anyway my, my, my question I was going to ask you was aside from photography and videography what other uses are there for drones that is actually a really good question the, the list grows daily and sometimes I, I obviously I talk to a lot of people in the industry and I hear really bizarre out there kind of things but some of the more mainstream stuff like in the US now they are flying over farms gathering data and they're actually selling the crop before they've even harvested based on the quality of the pictures they're gathering from it. And they're using it to map landscapes, um, old buildings. Um, you can actually, uh, surveyors are, are benefiting from it greatly. And they're able to survey large swathes of land in short periods of time, produce 3D maps. And uh, in theory, they can, they can produce 3D printed maps. It's slightly more accurate than using the traditional systems. It's safer because you haven't got guys in the ground. And uh, it's done much, like you can you can survey 20 acres in about an hour. Um, and with the right backup technology, you can actually produce a map within a few hours. Um, whereas two guys surveying that kind of land would take a few weeks. Wow, oh, that's, that is a big uh, a big difference. What about we, you, you? You can actually apply that to loads of different industries now as well. Like project management are starting to use it. They instead of going out and reviewing each site every couple of days, they're actually sending out drones, and the drones are producing maps. And it's cheaper than sending somebody, and it's it's giving them an accurate view uh, week to week as to how much they're progressing on each project. And um, you can map forestry. You can tell the 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 height of trees, the density, um, and you can access places that people have never accessed before. So there, there, there are a billion different, really your imagination is almost the limit of where drones can fly, if you pardon the pun. Uh, you mentioned uh, <laughs> legislation and licensing and, and the IAA and, and people like that, uh, and it all sounds very cumbersome and bo- bothersome. Is it really, or is there a nice, simple way of, because legislation applies to everybody, whether you're an amateur or whether you're a professional. Well, as an amateur, the legislation is relatively straightforward. Um, you're, you shouldn't fly near airports or controlled airspace. Uh, you shouldn't fly too near other people. Uh, actually, if you go to the IAA website, IAA.ie, um, there is a whole area on it about drones uh, and the legislation. For people like us, where we'd be flying, we, we, we obviously want to fly further distances, but they have to limit it. So you have to fly within visual line of sight. Um you are also kind of like if we're flying near an airport, we have to apply for a flight plan. You won't always get it. Mm. But if we're, say, inspect at the moment, there's a guy inspecting the new Facebook plant out by Dublin Airport. Ah. Uh, they put restrictions on him for height. They've let him do the job. But because he's only allowed to fly at 100 feet, he's actually using far more batteries. And it takes a lot longer to do, whereas if he was from a higher perspective, he could mm. he could do a lot quicker. So for the amateur guy, what kind of legislation does he have to uh, go through? Does he just need to get a, a license and that's it? 
an amateur guy actually doesn't need a license. Um, they just they can't fly over traffic. They can't fly near housing. They can't fly near groups of people larger than twelve. So they couldn't say bring it to a festival and fly around. Um, hmm. Whereas somebody like us, if some if, if we have an agreement from the people around us that they're under our control, we can actually fly near these people. Um, but you it, you shouldn't really fly over people because the technology is still developing and if one of your rotors goes, it may fall in the sky. Okay. But from, from a legislation point of view, I think that we're going to have four or five shots at getting the legislation right before it suits everybody. One of the things I really like about drones is that it sounds like it's, it sounds like something that's very doable for a normal person. I nearly said normal bloke, that'd be very sexist. <laughs> but for a normal person, do you know what I mean? Like if I want to go out and I want to spend, I don't know, you'd probably get what a toy one for, for, for under a hundred quid if you want to get a, oh, re- would, yeah. a reasonably good one. You're heading up towards maybe a thousand euro, which is still kind of affordable if you, if you have a serious interest in it. Yeah, you could buy one of the older, older phantom models for like seven or eight hundred euros. And I mean, they're really good kit. They've mm. got really good quality cameras on them. Um, if you read the manual, you, I, I would advise anybody who buys a drone to read the manual before taking it out of the box because I've met many, many people who have bought a drone and went, oh, this is so handy. And it's fine when you're standing behind the drone, it's flying forwards. But when the drone gets turned around, they're suddenly flying backwards and they end up in a tree or the drone disappears altogether. Tell me about Drone Expo. What, what exactly is going on there for, for people who want to find out more about it? Is it more an industry expo? Is it more open to, to people who are just interested in, in getting into the whole drone thing? Uh, Friday the 1st of April, we are pitching it more towards business-to-business solutions. So we're inviting people like architects and surveyors to show them what kind of technology is available and to show how good the quality is of it. Um, We're also, we have 14 speakers on day one from all walks of the the drone industry. Uh, People talking about law, legislation, we have the Irish Aviation Authority. Um, We have guys coming from the UK that have developed drones for good. Um, one of the drones actually looks for landmines and cuts out the human element. Um, we have varying uh, exhibitors there from insurance, training schools, manufacturers, guys who are doing filming, guys who are selling drones, guys who are developing drones, apps, surveyors. I mean, the list is just it just goes on. Then the kind of the extra features we have, which will feature through the weekend with the Saturday and Sunday we're pitching towards uh, anybody really that has an interest in aviation or drones. Um, we we kind of want people to start uh, trusting drones a bit more, and we want to show them that drones can be really good for for the economy and for the environment. So a few additional features we have uh, for the weekend are FPV racing, which is uh, miniature homemade racing drones that can travel up to 100 miles an hour. Uh, we have an indoor track built, so people can have a look at that. Uh, the guys flying them, it's called FPV because they put on uh, flight goggles and they only see what the drone sees. <laughs> Um, Samsung have lent us a few virtual reality kits, so anybody who wants to come along can try out the new VR kits that are only coming on the market this week. Uh, Dublin Fire Department are going to bring their kit and they're going to show everybody how they're using it to help save lives. Uh, yesterday we got a call, a call from the Irish military. They're sending their large fixed-wing drones and you'll be able to interact with the military guys and they'll tell you what they're doing with them. We have uh, simulators for kids and, and, and the bigger kids to have a go on and see what, the, what it's like to fly a drone. Uh, iFly Technology are offering basic ground school training um, at lunchtime every day. So you can go along and see what, what a miniature version of their course is like. 
So there is tons and tons of, and anybody who is, as you say, any kind of an interest in aviation in general or in drones, is specifically whether you just you know want to pass away a few hours for the afternoon at the weekend, or whether you actually really want to get in there and kind of get your hands dirty, you can do it all at uh, Drone Expo Ireland. Uh, it's the first to the third of April. Also, um, I'm sure you've heard it, uh, Ian. Uh, we had a drone special there. Uh, it was the end of October last year, so the Halloween edition of the show, and we spoke to loads of people uh, involved from just you know amateurs wanted to take photographs of their house from the air to uh, a former 737 airline pilot who is now doing this for a living and doing many of the things that uh, that Ian talked about so have a listen to that and definitely go along to the uh, the Drone Expo Ireland which is happening on the 1st to the 3rd of April at the RDS all right, the details Justin, can I just yes. in there um, just to let people know that we're actually we're not charging a huge amount of money you fa- on the Saturday and Sunday a family can come along for as little as 35 euros for four people uh, and an individual for 15 euros and on the business to business solutions day on the Friday it's only 20 euros and that gives you access to everything there you go you get all the details at droneexpoireland.com but for now Ian Kylie thank you very much for telling us all thanks very much Dusty appreciate the time this is Tech Central your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie There's a conference being held at Cork City Hall on the 7th of April, which is an event for Irish SMEs on digital strategies and technology. One of the many speakers who are scheduled to appear is a Cork man called Kieran O'Hay, who's the founder of Indo CDO and an independent chief digital officer. He is also former chief digital officer for Brisbane, as in the city, yes, of two million people, and is only the second in the world to have taken on a chief digital officer. He joins me on Skype right now. Kieran, uh, when we talk about a chief digital officer for a city what exactly does that mean um well in in my context um my focus was very much on uh positioning brisbane in the global digital economy so it was um basically had um uh, kind of a, a very very firm roots in in economic development so it wasn't primarily a a kind of an it or technology um based um role um Brisbane City Council, uh, which is the uh, the biggest council in the Southern Hemisphere, a very big organisation. Um, they have a you know a, a, a large IT presence and uh, its own CIO. So uh, he focused mainly on the uh, kind of technology side. And what I did was I focused on helping um, the Brisbane business community, particularly the SMEs and startups, to to basically. Um, you know, move into the digital economy and 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 kind of you know prepare themselves, contributing to the growth of uh, of the economy in, in in the city. So, I mean, you think of kind of a, a digital technology helping the the infrastructure of a city. I kind of think more of the things like you know, kind of uh, traffic management and and the, what they're doing in in Dublin with uh, electronic signs on the bus stop saying when the next bus is due. You're thinking much much bigger than that, and you're talking about a digital economy for a city. What? Tell me more about that. Yeah, you know, that's uh, what you're saying. There is definitely true. I mean, a lot of this technology focus comes into the smart city kind of area. But what I was involved in uh, is more the uh, economic development side, definitely. Um, But I do think that uh, there is a place for all of these things in an overall city strategy. Um, But uh, we were basically looking at uh, the size of the global digital economy, which at the time was was, um, estimated to be worth something in the region of $13 trillion. I think that's more in relation to global uh, e-commerce as such. Um, and, um, you know, the, the challenge for Brisbane to, to, to kind of, you know, kind of 
get a part of that. And then looking at the makeup of the uh, city's economy, I think the economy was worth about 130 billion Australian dollars. Uh, there was 120,000 SMEs in the Brisbane area. Uh, and they were contributing um, or uh, responsible effectively for over 50% of that, that economy. So um, clearly the, you know, the, 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 the key kind of constituency for growing that economy was the, the SMEs, but only about 30% of them were um, um, actively engaged in the digital economy at, at the time we started the, um, developing the strategy. So, you know, they, they became the, the main focal point mm. of, of the activity. It's very hard when you're trying to get something new across. Everybody knows that digital technology is out there and it's fantastic. But when you start talking about applying it to their lives, they kind of get a little bit scared because it's something new. Um, so, I mean, what did it take? What was your argument? How did you get these SMEs in Brisbane across the line to take part in the, in the digital economy? Well, I, I, I kind of realized I was at a kind of a, a bit of a tipping point in that, um, you know, um, at your typical gathering of, of SMEs, um, uh, conferences, seminars, workshops, etc., where they be, were being addressed by guest speakers, primarily about technology and the take of technology and the impact of technology, you begin to sense that uh, SMEs collectively were getting a little bit disenchanted with being um, told about, you know, uh, how many technologies were out there and how many mobile phones were out there and whatever, and uh, wanted to get, you know, more specific guidance on how to make this um, these technologies work for their specific businesses. So, um my mantra, if you like, when I went out there, which is still being used by the, the Lord Mayor the last time I heard, is uh, less gadgetry, more strategy. So my my own feeling was that, you know, there was an over-concentration on the technology and the take-up of the technology, and uh, that what businesses needed was to understand more about how to kind of um, develop kind of business strategies for the digital age hmm. rather than, um, you know, bolting on kind of off-the-shelf solutions uh, and, and trying to make it work that way. So that was, we went for a much more of an empowerment approach, I suppose I would call it, rather than uh, trying to kind of force technology down their throats. Are you able to give me an example of the kind of results that you were able to give to small businesses? How were they actually able to use the digital economy to make more money for themselves? Well, I mean... What we did is we did a we did a digital audit of the uh, Brisbane um, businesses, and we were able to s- separate them into three different categories, which is not novices, intermediate, uh, and and advanced in, in terms of their use of digital technology. So, um, you know, the the types of results would would you know were, would differ according to what kind of category a company with a uh, business was in. So, um, but we could see progress on all three fronts. I mean, I was there for the first. Uh, two years of the strategy and it's a five-year strategy so i'm sure it's probably making even more uh, progress now um but we focus mainly on um kind of engaging with um with smes and we engage with about thirty thousand smes during the first year of the strategy um but we could see uh improvements in the sense of um more and more companies coming to us um and asking us for advice not so much about technology but about well you know, I need help with logistics. Um, I've just sold my first, uh, you know, uh, product into China. I need to know how to kind of how to deliver it. You know, you know, what's the situation with taxation over there, VAT, whatever. So, we actually started running um, not just kind of um, seminars and and. Uh, 
programs around technology, but we actually were bringing in kind of um, experts on tax and um, uh, kind of uh, logistics and uh, all sorts of things like that to actually help those companies who were kind of moving along that kind of conveyor belt, um, moving from a situation where they had never uh, sold anything online uh, overseas to a situation where they were starting to build up a customer base. So we, we could kind of measure it from um, incidents like that kind of, mm. You know, kind of anecdotal type of information. Really. Were, were there any kind of common mistakes that Australian businesses were making in Brisbane, getting on the digital bandwagon? Um, well, I mean, I think um, again, going back to what I was saying earlier, I think that uh, you know, more and more companies were aware of the fact they needed to do something. So, not so many companies were in a situation where they didn't know that they needed to kind of you know engage digital. Mm. I think most of them. Uh, already has a sense of awareness they needed to do something. Uh, and I think um, it, it may not have been a mistake as such, but I, I, what we came across a lot was that companies were, were, were going out to the market before they'd really kind of uh, got to understand, you know, what they needed to do. They were going out to the market and, and kind of vaguely explaining what they needed to do and then getting, you know, basically the wrong solutions or, you know, getting proposals from suppliers at very, uh, widely differing prices uh, for the same thing and getting mm. confused and then maybe not doing anything at all. So um, they were being inhibited basically by their own kind of lack of, of kind of understanding. So I suppose the uh, the basic mistake really is inertia, not doing anything about it. And then the second mistake was uh, when you do do something about it, you really have got to kind of learn about it properly. But once you do, the, the, the benefits are fantastic. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's true. I mean, you know, we, we set up an online, uh, kind of matchmaking, uh, service, uh, which, uh, where SMEs could, uh, find suitable suppliers. And, you know, from that, from finding the right type of supplier, um, uh, in a kind of a trusted source mm-hmm. environment, they, they, you know, the, the relationship started to, to develop and then things would move forward. That, that's definitely. So do you think uh, after what you've learned in Brisbane and now kind of coming back to Ireland, Ireland's kind of a, a strange little country because we're so small and we're on the edge of the Atlantic and we're not really in the centre of anything, yet we're one of the most digitally advanced nations on the planet of Earth. Do you think what you learned in Brisbane uh, th- that you're bringing back here to Ireland, do you think it, it can really make a difference? Um I think it can. I mean, what I was doing um, at the time that I uh, left um, Brisbane to come back here was developing uh, what I called an ultimate digital proposition for Brisbane. So um, basically what this was, it meant basically taking the kind of achievements that, you know, uh, from within the city in terms of improvements to the local digital economy and then basically packaging those up and promoting those and, and uh, promoting the, the reputation of, uh, uh, of, the, of the region mm. as a whole. So I think something similar could be done here. Um, you know, I, I hear a lot of um, talk about different cities, towns, etc., developing their own digital strategies. I think Ireland is probably, you know, it's, it's, it is, as you say, small. But if, if say, those different strategies were, were to develop with a common framework that, you know, different cities and regions could, could kind of plug into while maintaining their own kind of uh, uh, local nuance, if you like. Um, I think it would help, you know, the country itself collectively. It would help with its, with its digital reputation. Um, so I think the, um, you know, the, the, we, we do need to get more happening, I think, on the ground in Ireland in support of traditional businesses. Um, um, I mean, I, I 
looking in from abroad, uh, I would say, you know, certainly there's a lot of talk about the multinationals, uh, the call centers, the, um, the startups, etc. But there's, it doesn't strike me that there's a lot of dedicated programs going on to get SMEs online and, and selling more than they currently are. Um, that's the type of program we, we would have had in Brisbane. So I think there's right. room for that here. Well, listen, I, I hope your return uh, to our shores here will help some of that happen. You can hear more from Kieran O'Hay at Cork City Hall on the 7th of April, where he's taking part in Digicon. And you can find out more about Digicon itself at uh, digicon.ie. For now, though, Kieran, thanks for talking to us. Thank you very much, Dusty. And that is it for our show this week. Do remember to keep in touch with Irish Tech News with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more direct from techcentral.ie as well as our weekly tech radio show here online and every Friday at 6pm on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Have a wonderful Easter and we'll talk to you next week. Take care. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by DigitalAudioProductions.com. Tech Central.